0: Today on Awaken to Grace, we are in Luke chapter 1, and we are going to see the faith and the trust that Mary had when the angel Gabriel announced to her that she is going to conceive and bear a son, and his name would be called Jesus. Friends, as we break down this scripture today, I want to ask, perhaps like Mary, you don't have all the answers in your life. Mary asked the angel, how can this be? You know, just because we don't have all the answers does not mean that we don't have faith. And what we're going to see today in this text is that even though Mary didn't know everything, she still trusted God. And you know, you and I have the same opportunity. We may not be able to say how God is going to work things out or when God will work things out, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't already have it all worked out. Well, today, We're going to see the faith of Mary. And you know what it's going to do? It's going to grow our own faith. I'm so glad you're joining me today on this episode of Awakened to Grace. I want to begin in verse number 26 today. And my premise today is... While we saw the doubt and unbelief in Zechariah last week, we're going to see the trust and the faith in Mary today, and I'm going to, Lord willing, point out some things in the text that I hope hit exactly where you're living and perhaps deal with what many of us are struggling with. Verse number 26 The Bible says that after six months, now why does it kick off here with six months? Because remember, we're in the same narrative. We're in the same portion of the story from last week. Remember where we ended last week was that Zechariah somehow communicated to Elizabeth that they were gonna have a child. And here, many days later, she pops up. She's having a child. And now... We fast forward to six months, and now Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, is going to continue his mission onto a city in Galilee named Nazareth, according to verse 26. Before we go forward in this, I want you to note a couple of things. Remember what we said last week of the myriad upon myriad of angels, the tens of thousands upon the tens of thousands of angels. Angels that God created before humanity was created. There are only two angels in the Bible that we know their name. That is Michael the archangel and Gabriel, who apparently his role is to announce major events for the Lord. That's what we see him doing in the scriptures. We see him announcing and so he is announced to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now six months later, there is a key phrase right here that I don't want us to miss. He is sent by God to Nazareth. Now why is that important? Because what did we say is the defining scripture in the Bible concerning angels? Hebrews 1.14. It says, are they not all ministering spirits? We said that's the essence of angels. They are supernatural. They are Spirits? Ministering spirits? But what is their occupation? What is their role? What are their responsibilities? It says, are they not all ministering spirits sent out from God? Let me tell you, my friends, angels do not do your bidding. Angels do not do your will. Angels do not do your task. Angels do the bidding of God Almighty, not us. We are not to pray to angels. We are not to command angels. We are not, according to the scriptures, to have any dialogue with angels. We are not to seek the presence of angels. How offensive is it to the Holy Spirit who resides within us to seek the presence of an angel? When God Almighty resides, within this temple. Amen? Amen. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out from God? And see, I love that the Bible is its own commentary and this is echoed from Hebrews 1.14, it's echoed here in Luke chapter one. Where does Gabriel go? He is sent on an assignment. He is sent on a mission. And when you understand the role of angels, the occupation of angels is to do the will of God. And sometimes that does involve our lives. Sometimes they intervene in circumstances. Sometimes they protect. Sometimes they rescue Sometimes they strengthen. Sometimes they encourage. Sometimes they make a visitation. And while Hebrews 1.14 says that they are sent out from God to those who will inherit eternal life, chapter 13 of Hebrews teaches what we do for angels. What do angels do for us? They do the will of God. They do the task of God. They do the assignments of God. But what do we do for angels? The same book of Hebrews says that you and I can entertain angels unaware. It's our hospitality. Let me tell you something. The next time that you encounter someone who tests your patience, who tests your joy, Don't forget, we entertain angels unaware. Be hospitable to every single person that you meet. Now, Gabriel is going to be sent out by God. He's going to go to the city in Galilee. And that's important because you have to understand that the people of Nazareth were looked down upon because they were from this area of Galilee. And he goes to a city called Nazareth. Now, if you're going to take notes, let me give you a little profile of Nazareth. When we talk about a rural area, when we talk about the middle of nowhere, when we talk about somewhere in the boondocks, we're talking about Nazareth. Nazareth was so obscure. Did you know that there is not even a mention of it in the Old Testament? Nazareth was more what we would really call a village. Scholars believe that at this time, the population of Nazareth would be about 200 people. Now, can you imagine being from a city of 200 people? You're talking about everybody knowing everybody. And you're talking about everybody knowing everything about everybody. Come on now, right? Can you imagine being the young teenage girl that ends up pregnant? in a city of 200 people. Scholars believe that Nazareth was comprised of about 20 extended families, and that was it. What a contrast it was to the mighty city of Jerusalem. I mean, if you were God, and you were gonna bring the savior of the world to be born on the world stage, would you have chosen somewhere like Nazareth? that nobody had even heard of, that not even the Old Testament makes mention of? Nazareth was a poor, small, rural village. Nazareth is about 75 to 100 miles north of Jerusalem. And it was made up of primarily poor families. So Gabriel goes on mission. What did we say last week? The book of Luke is going to record angels 23 times. And here, Gabriel is on a very specific mission. What did we say last week? 234 mentions in the Bible of good angels, encounters with good angels. Because you do know the Bible mentions fallen angels. You know, it's very interesting, very interesting to me as a pastor, how many people that I meet that they don't believe in the demonic They don't believe in demons or things of darkness. Friends, if you believe in angels, you need to flip the other side of the coin over. And you need to understand what the Bible says about fallen angels. You need to understand what the Bible says about the demonic. It's quite fascinating. And so 234 references of God's angels, 278 times in the Bible, Scripture mentions God as the Lord of hosts. That means angelic armies, the angelic host. Hundreds upon hundreds of references to the angelic in Scripture. Yet, what we pointed out last week, there are no chapters of the Bible solely dedicated to just angels. In other words, the idea of angels is not hyper-presented in the Bible. And so it should not be hyper-presented in our day. We should not be uh, so intrigued with angels that we pray to them or we long for their presence or we want to encounter one. Not when you can encounter the person of Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? So there's a balance to this. And what's the balance? If there is not a hyper-presented chunk of Scripture in the Bible about angels, well, that tells me that they are quite commonplace in God's order. And so they ought to be commonplace in our day-to-day. It really should not be a strange thing. It really should not be uh, this, mystic, uh, this mystical, uh, odd, bizarre thing. No, it's just, it's just commonplace, as it's commonplace in the Scriptures. And so Gabriel is going to go on point, on target, on mission to this small little rural village of Nazareth of only about 200 people. And he's going to find a young couple there. Look at verse 27. He goes to a virgin and to the man she's betrothed to. Now I'm going to save this word betrothed for next week because next week we're going to be in Matthew 1 we're going to study Joseph and there are massive implications to this word betrothed just for this week understand this the word betrothed in our culture would mean that they are they were engaged but it's far deeper than a western engagement They were legally married. They had not consummated their marriage. Mary was a virgin. But they were legally promised to one another. Joseph, at this stage, would have been perfecting his craft, which we know from the Scriptures he was a carpenter. He would have been learning his life skill. He would have been preparing for his young bride. Mary, at this point, scholars believe, would have been a young teenage girl. And so here in Nazareth, a city of Galilee, we find a young, betrothed, engaged couple named Joseph and Mary. Now, the text is going to tell us several things. Here's a little profile of Joseph and Mary. I want you to note, number one, they were of the house of David. Now, that's mightily important. Now, this tells us of their lineage, and while this is important, because the Messiah had to come from the line of David. Remember, we learned back in Revelation, in our deep study of Revelation, that Christ is called the root and the offspring of David. Well, how can he be the offspring of something and yet be the root? Because it's speaking of the deity of Christ. It's speaking to the fact that Christ was not created. It's speaking to the fact, as Jesus told the Pharisees, before Abraham was, I am. What an incredible statement. Friends, what that means is Jesus Christ has no beginning. We have this wrong concept in our minds often that it's Jesus versus Satan. No, my friends, Jesus created Lucifer. He is a creation of God. He is not in competition. Friends, it is no contest. Do you remember what we learned in Revelation, I believe, chapter 20? When Satan is bound for the thousand years, and incarcerated for a thousand years, do you remember who it is that binds him in a massive chain? It's not Christ. It's not an archangel. It's not a seraphim. It's not a cherub angel. You know who it is? It's just an angel. Now, that's striking to me. I don't don't want to belittle the power of angels in any way because they're quite powerful. But what I'm saying is we're talking about Satan, and it's not Michael the archangel, and it's not some seraphim or cherub. No, it's just an angel binds him. Friends, Satan is no match for the kingdom of God in any way whatsoever. So don't have this false notion that it's Jesus versus Satan. No. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is above him. Now, it's important to understand Jesus has no beginning. He did not, Jesus was not created to come to the earth. No, listen, my friends, the book of Colossians explains to us, Colossians chapter one, that nothing was made apart from Christ. Christ made everything by the power of his word. And furthermore, it says that all things are held together by the word of his power. He holds all things together. He is creator. And so we understand Joseph and Mary are from the lineage of David. They are from the house of David. We understand that Christ, his humanity, his physical birth would be from the line of David. And thus, he is the offspring of David, but yet he is the root of David. What a beautiful biblical concept. Now... Profile of Joseph and Mary, I want you to note, number one, they're of the house of David. Number two, I want you to note, they're simply from Nazareth. Friends, there was nothing special about this couple. While they were from the lineage of David, understand, there was no royal blood in them. Listen, they had no pedigree they, if they were someone important in this day, they would have been living in Jerusalem. But no, they lived in little old Nazareth. Remember what they said of Jesus? How can anything good come out of Nazareth? Friends, for God to have chosen this young couple, for God to have taken these young people, these hadn't even started out in life. Joseph just learning his trade Mary, not even, not even married and living together yet. And God chose them. What a special thing. And today I want to show you the response of Mary. Number three, I want you to note this. They were poor. They were from a poor town. And they were poor themselves. We know this because after Jesus was born and when they gave sacrifice, they sacrificed pigeons. They couldn't afford a lamb or a bull, or some large animal. No. See, God made provision in the law for poor people. And see, this tells us a lot. They didn't have very much at all. So it's no wonder, as we come to the end of verse 27, it's no wonder that Mary's so surprised when Gabriel visits her. It's no wonder that she's perplexed and thinks, why me? I'm poor, I'm from Nazareth, It's no wonder she felt this way. And then lastly, we know that she was still a virgin. Now that's going to come into play in verse number 34. But let's keep walking through the story. So the angel Gabriel is going to go after six months visiting Elizabeth and Zechariah. He now is going to go six months later to a city of Galilee called Nazareth. He's going to find Mary the Virgin with her betrothed husband, Joseph. And he's going to come to this young girl who scholars think was a teenager, and he's going to come to her in verse 20. Where am I at? Verse 28. Thank you. And he's going to say, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now, when Mary hears this, she doesn't light up like a ray of sunshine. She does what almost everyone else does that encounters a literal angel in the scriptures. It makes her afraid. She's greatly troubled. And the scripture says she tries to discern what sort of greeting this is. Oh, I love that. You know what Luke is telling us? Luke is saying she's puzzled. She's perplexed. See, I think no doubt Mary would have known who Gabriel was. Because Mary knew the scriptures. And see, this is the same Gabriel that appeared to Daniel and gave Daniel the great prophecies of the book of Daniel. And now this same Gabriel, hundreds and hundreds of years later, is gonna come to this whole teenage girl. And she knows who Gabriel is. I bet she had to pick her mouth up off the floor. And he says, favored one? The Lord is with you? I I bet it flashed through her mind. Does he know he's in Nazareth? Nothing good is in Nazareth. It's only a handful of us. What is he talking about? And scripture says that she tried to discern what sort of greeting this was. I just in my heart, I feel like Mary was trying to say, has he made a mistake? It's just me. And what does the angel say to her? I love this. What words of assurance. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with the Lord. Wow, could you imagine what that meant to her heart? Now, look what he's gonna say to her. He's gonna make the announcement of Christ coming. This is remarkable. He says you are going to conceive in your womb and you will bear a son and his name will be called Jesus. And he will be great, the son of the most high. And God will give to him his father's throne, David. And then look what he says, verse 33. And he will rule over the house of Jacob forever and there will be no end to his reign. <clears throat> well, Mary, in verse 34, is going to ask the angel the most obvious question. She says to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? Now let me ask you a question today. What is the difference between Mary's question and Zachariah's question? I want to show you the difference today, and I want to show you the difference in our own lives. If you're going to take notes, I encourage you to note this. We know that Zechariah asked his question in unbelief because the scripture identifies it. Gabriel tells Zechariah, Because of your unbelief, because you did not believe my words, you're not going to be able to speak until the child is born. And he pronounced judgment. Well, why didn't he judge Mary? When Mary said, how can this be? Here's what I want you to understand today that the Lord's impressed me to share with you. You are not wrong when you have questions to the Lord. You're not wrong when you have confusion. See, Zechariah was an unbelief. Mary was simply confused. And there are going to be times that God leads you into something. There are going to be times that God puts something in your heart or puts someone in your heart. There are going to be things that God requires of you, things that God tells you to step out in faith concerning, and it's not going to make sense. And you're not going to have all the answers. And I don't know about you, but there are many times in my life that when I can't add it all up and when I don't have the solutions or I don't have what I feel are the right answers, it makes me feel like I don't have faith. And friends, that's not true. The Bible teaches that God is not the author of confusion, but that doesn't mean that we're not often confused. That doesn't mean that there are not times of uncertainty with us. That doesn't mean that there aren't times that we don't have the answer and we have to walk by faith and not by sight. And let me tell you the difference between Zechariah's unbelief and Mary's confusion. Unbelief is when you're like Zechariah, and basically your attitude is, well, if God was gonna do it, then God would have already done it. That's unbelief. Well, knowing my luck, that's unbelief. Well, if I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have no luck at all. That's unbelief. God will probably do it for everybody else but me. That's unbelief. But to not have all the answers and still take God at his word, That's faith. Is anybody with me this morning? I believe with all of my heart. I believe with every single thing in my core being that God has every bit of the ability. He has every bit of the power to open these blind eyes. I believe it down to my core. I have faith that God himself has put into my heart. That God is able. But do I have the answers? No. Can I tell you how? No. Can I tell you when? No. But I know I want to be like Mary. While in my heart, I say, but how can this be? In my real heart of hearts, I want to say, according to your word, be it done unto me. Friends, you don't have to have every answer to still have faith. As a matter of fact, it's because you don't have all the answers that God counts it as faith. Amen. For we walk by faith and not by faith. The difference between Zechariah, a few verses up, is that he didn't believe. Friends, do you believe? I have to check my heart in this matter. Because see, sometimes Satan will try to wear me out. Sometimes he'll he'll try to remind me, but you don't know what God's going to do. No, I don't. You don't know when. No, I don't. So what makes you think God will? Because God is more than able. That's what makes me think that. Amen. But see, if I go around and I go, well, you know, the doctor said, no, that's unbelief. If I go around and say, well, you know, uh," it's unbelief. Can you detect unbelief in your life? And can you detect faith? And let me tell you, your faith, it is not your emotions. I've shared with you before times that my emotions have been low. And see, I thought it was my faith. And I would pray and say, God, my faith is so low. Will you... Lord, will you lift up my faith? Will you help my faith because it's so low? And the Lord says, no, 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 Chad. Your faith is not low. Your emotions are low. Your faith is right where it needs to be. Learn the difference. The Lord told me that. Learn the difference between your faith and your emotions. Your emotions will come and go. Your emotions is like the gas tank in your car. It's gonna be full and it's gonna be empty. Right? That's all it is. And all it is is a gauge to tell you how you feel. But it don't tell you what to do. Let your faith be strengthened in the Lord. So, Mary asked this great question. How can this be? If you will, go to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 with me. If you're in a place today of uncertainty, if you're in a place where it feels like things are foggy, there's mist all around, you can't see the next steps ahead of you, let me give you some good gospel news today. Because I sense in my heart that there's many of you today battling uncertainty. You don't know the right steps to take. Well, I wanna help you today. I wanna show you what helps me so often in my own life. Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six, it teaches us, lean not upon your own understanding. I love that. Boy, I could just, listen, if I lean on this lecture stand today, if I lean on this, what am I doing? I'm, I'm trusting in this thing. I'm resting on it. I trust it's gonna hold me up. I trust that I can, it will support my weight. And you know what Scripture's saying right here? Don't lean on your own understanding. In other words, don't rest in that. Don't trust in that. You you know, my pet peeve, what, kills me when I counsel people, and it's the worst thing anybody can say to me. Well, I just need to follow my heart. What? That will get you in more trouble follow your heart. That's silly. That's crazy. That's dumb. (laughs) And if you're someone today that all your friends are telling, well, you just need to follow your heart. No, no. Get some biblical counsel. Don't lean in your own understanding. Don't rest in that. Don't trust in that. And when people say follow your heart, you know what they're saying? Follow your emotions. What? Whew, anyway, get off my soapbox. <laughs> Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. Oh, I love that. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say on your Sunday compartment, acknowledge God. Dear, in times of worship, acknowledge God. In your prayer life, acknowledge God. No, it's all-encompassing. It says in all your ways, in every way in your life, in every dealing that you have, in every encounter that you have, in every decision that you make, acknowledge God, involve him, invite him in. You know, I've been praying for the last couple of weeks, God, I, I, I want to be a man of integrity. I want to walk in integrity. I tell you, if I hate anything, I hate lies. Lies destroy. And, and let me drill down a second on this. Because when we say lying, we have in our head what that, no, deception. I hate Deception. And deception, listen, lying is only one form of deception. Now, come on now. Don't get quiet on me right now. This is a good piece right here. And I was praying last couple weeks, God, I don't want to be a man of deception at all. If there's any darkness there, if there's any deception, Lord, you show me and I'll turn from it. Well, I had a little routine doctor visit this week on Thursday And I ran a fever on Sunday night and Monday morning. And I got to thinking, when I go to my doctor, they're going to ask me if I've had a fever in the last 10 days. And I ain't going to let them test me for COVID. Because you know what they'll do? They'll go up there and take a right. (laughs) And I said, I ain't doing that. So I thought, well, what am I going to say when they've asked me if I've had a fever in the last 10 days? I'm going to have to lie about it. So what do you think I did? Lord Jesus, forgive me for earlier this. No, I'm kidding. I didn't. <laughs> but <laughs> don't get me coughing. <clears throat> but what I had to call and bump the appointment up to where I could be a person of integrity. That way when they say, have you had a fever in the last 10 days? No. My point is, in all your ways, acknowledge God. Even in those little things, even in those times that deception seems like a good opportunity. No, acknowledge God in everything. And then you know what the results are? Listen, I'm talking to people that are confused today. I'm talking to people that are seeking answers today. I'm talking to people who don't have a sense of clarity. It's foggy in your life right now. Let me tell you, don't lean upon your own understanding, but rather in all your ways, acknowledge God. And what's going to be the result? He is going to direct your paths. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, amen? And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, amen. But you know what the problem is with a lamp? The problem is it doesn't show you that many steps, does it? A lamp will only show you the next few steps. But see, that's why you walk by faith and not by sight. I don't like only seeing a few steps. Do you? You know what I told God I want? I want one of those big redneck deer lamps that guys put on their trucks. I want to be able to see way down the road. No. But see, that's not faith. It's a lamp to our feet. Go to Proverbs chapter four. Let me help you today. Proverbs chapter four. If you will lean on God, not on your own understanding. Don't follow your heart. Follow God, follow His will. Then He will direct your paths. When God directs your paths, guess what path He puts you on? He puts you on the path of the righteous. And let me tell you, my friends, there is not a better path, there is not a sweeter path than the path of the righteous. The Bible says in Matthew 7. That broad is the way that leads to destruction, and most people are on the broad way. But then it says, narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few there be that find it. Let me tell you, I want to be on the path of the righteous. That's that's where I want to be walking today. Look at verse 18 with me. Proverbs 4, verse 18. I'm talking to people That are uncertain today. I'm talking to people that are unclear. I'm talking to the Marys who's not operating in doubt and unbelief, but have legitimate questions. How can this be? Verse 18 says, But the path of the righteous is like the dawning of the day, it grows brighter and brighter until full noon day. Friends, that's one of my most favorite scriptures in the entire Bible. Have you ever left for work very early in the morning and it's so foggy outside? The sun hasn't quite set or risen, I should say. And it's so foggy outside and you can't hardly see where you're headed, where you're going. A lot of times our life is that way. A lot of times God leads you into places like that. But what's the promise? It's gonna grow brighter and brighter. In other words, clarity is going to come, amen? Your path is gonna grow clearer and clearer by the day. Do you believe that? That's why you shouldn't rush and make snap decisions. That's why you shouldn't go and fall for divorce. That's why you don't need to leave your children today. That's why you don't need to quit your job today. That's why you don't need to jump and make a snap decision. Why? Because the path of the righteous, right now it may feel foggy, it may feel dark, you may not be able to see your hand in front of your face, but the promise of God's word is that your path is gonna get clearer and it's gonna get clearer until full noon look at verse 26 of Proverbs chapter 4 ponder the path of your feet then all your ways will be sure amen to that ponder the path of your feet and then all your ways will be sure are you doing that right now or are you just jumping ahead are you pondering deeply the path you're on where you're headed Do you have surety in your life? Do you have certainty in God's will and God's call and what God requires of you? Listen, you may be like Mary today. You may say, God, I hear what you're saying. I just don't know how it's gonna happen. That's okay. That's not unbelief. You can still respond in faith. Let me show you how. So verse 34, Mary says, how can this be? Since I'm a virgin. And Gabriel's going to give her the answer. Look what he says. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And you will be overshadowed. By the Most High. I would have loved. To have heard Mary and Joseph's conversation. When Mary tells Joseph. I'm pregnant. And Joseph goes. What? Well, see, the Holy Spirit came upon me. I was overshadowed by the Most High. (laughs) You think Joseph bought that? Nope. It took an angel to tell him. And we're going to be there next week. An angel's going to slip right into Joseph's dreams. He's going to tell him everything he needs to know. It's going to be fascinating. So... But notice this, because this is real easy to miss. Because the Holy Spirit's going to come upon her, because she's going to be overshadowed by the Most High, what's going to be the conclusion? Therefore, the child will be called holy, the Son of God. That's massive. Friends, have you ever wondered why the virgin birth is so important? It's because... The blood that ran through the veins of Jesus Christ was not Adam's blood. It was not Joseph's blood. It was sinless, spotless blood. Why? Because he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, not of man. Amen. And because his blood was spotless, Because his life was without blemish, because his blood was sinless. When that time came for the Lamb of God to be offered, when that Passover time came for the Lamb of God to be slain for the sins of the world, friends, his blood qualified. His blood was worthy. And now, today, according to the book of Hebrews, Not one drop of blood will ever again need to be shed for sin, for it was once and for all time accomplished. But why? But how? Because he didn't have Adam's blood in him. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. How remarkable. Now, just to assure Mary... Notice what he's going to say next. He's going to say, oh, and your relative, Elizabeth? Scholars think perhaps they were cousins. That's that's what most scholars tend to think. He says, your relative, Elizabeth? Oh, yeah, she's already conceived. When he said that, I'd love to know what happened in Mary's heart. And he goes, she's already six months along, the one called barren. (laughs) And then verse 27, remarkable. Look what the angel tells her. For nothing is impossible with God. You know, I was thinking this morning, I got up very early and I was thinking, what would it be for an angel to hear the voice of an angel say, nothing is impossible with God, what would that be? I began to think, and I'll be honest, I began to kind of crave and long for this. I thought, what would, what would the audible voice of an angel, can you imagine the tenderness in his voice mixed with the authority of God? I, I, I want, I... I was just thinking this morning, I'd love to hear the faith in his voice. I would love to hear the authority. I would love to hear the compassion and I would love to hear the tenderness. And oh, I just love to hear the mixture of it all in the voice of an angel to say, nothing is impossible with God. And the Lord reminded me of what Peter wrote in 1 Peter. No, we've been given a more sure word, a prophetic word, the word of God. And the Lord reminded me, Chad, you don't need to hear a voice of an angel. You have the word of God, the eternal word of God. Hide it in your heart. Let it take root in your heart. Believe it. And I said, yes, Lord, it's sufficient for me for nothing is impossible with God. Has it taken root in you? Is it bearing fruit in you? Lastly today, I close with verse 38. Verse 37, the angel says, for with God, nothing is impossible. And now we're gonna see faith's response. And Mary says to the angel, behold, There's our key word. I am the servant of God. (laughs) See, guys, when you get that right, when you get that straight, everything straightens from there. Behold, I am the servant of God. And look what she says. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Is there a sweeter statement in the scriptures? Let it be to me according to your word. Do you have the faith to say that today? The struggle you're facing? The trial that you're facing? The uncertainty that you're facing? The potential dangers? The potential problems? The potential setbacks? Hey, how much was Mary going to be talked about? See, at this point, Joseph doesn't know. She's probably going to lose her engagement. Nobody's going to understand. She's going to be the talk of Nazareth and beyond. She's going to face shame and rejection. what does she say? According to your word, let it be to me. Friends, that's faith. Faith isn't having the answers. Faith is saying yes to God. Faith isn't knowing the timing. Faith is saying yes to God faith isn't having the solution it's saying yes to